Hi, it's Chris Watkin here, back again with another estate agent stories with a gentleman called Neil Briggs, who is one of Milton Keynes' leading estate and letting agents. Thanks for joining me today, Neil. Thank you for having me, Chris. The pleasure, pleasure. I want to talk to you about your story as becoming an estate agent, the ups and downs, so we can teach the boys and girls out there in estate agency land your the lessons that you've learned so you they don't make the same mistakes okay. or, or also on the other side of the coin learn from your successes so so they can have a you know a, a lift up is that okay that's fine yeah good stuff so neil um when you were at secondary school did you crave to be an estate agent <laughs> No, kind of fell in it more than luck than uh, by judgment. How did you fall into it? So I um, used to sell cardboard boxes for a living. So I was a salesman for corrugated packaging. And I realised that I knew far too much about boxes and needed to really get a different you, career. So you wanted to stack up your career? <laughs> yeah. <in> your <laughs> yeah, well, I used to work in this office and there was this guy that he lived and breathed cardboard. And it's like... He'd been at the company for over 20 years. I thought, I don't want that to be me. So I applied for a job for a trainee mortgage broker at Countrywide. What year was that then? Uh, 2001. So how old would you have been then? Uh, well, I was 24, so still okay. fairly young. Okay. Were you married at this point? No, you? no, never married. Young friend so, single? Don't, yes, still young friend single. So, Ready to uh, mingle. <laughs> no, live with my partner. But, uh, you no. know, we're... Um, yeah, so I was still young, young Had lad about town and didn't really, didn't really know much about property apart from buying my own one when I was 18. So, so you're about to say, you moved out, you had, I mean, 18 was quite young, and, but then this was the 90s, people did that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, um, that, and that was in MK, was it? Newport Pagnell, yes. So I bought my first, first little part. So, uh, yeah, there were the posh bits. So people from Newport Pagnell don't like you being called Milton Keynes because it's literally just outside on the border, but uh, it's as broad as it is long. So, uh, what made you want to buy a house at 18? I was kind of told by my parents that I couldn't live under their roof the way I was living my life, so I had to either move out and to rent it or purchase it. It was cheaper to buy than it was to rent, so mum and dad did help me out with deposit and stuff, but uh, you know, I had a full-time job baking bread and decided to buy rather than rent. So you were a baker at that point? I was a baker, yeah, a master baker. There you go. So you, you know how to you know the proving and the... Is it <laughs> well, it was at Tesco, so it wasn't, wasn't that uh, okay. artisan, but yeah. Good stuff. So you know how to break out the, uh, the bread and, and prove it. I'll tell you what, it's a good skill. Um, so you were a baker and you moved into cardboards, but then you decided you wanted to, to, to branch out. What made you want to become a mortgage arranger? I think um, it was just the sales opportunity. I enjoyed sales. Um, had the sales Were you experience. selling boxes? Yeah, I was sort of a business to business sales. So going around companies, trying to get the, the business, trying to attract new, new business. And um, yeah, I was always quite good. I just needed the opportunity to... Was it literally just seeing an advert? Yeah, saw an advert in the local paper, applied for it, and then um, they... They joked that I was selling houses for the homeless and thought it'd be good for them to get me in as a, as a trainee mortgage advisor, passed all the exams and never looked back. Okay, so what did you learn about uh, mortgages which has helped you in a state agency? I think having the, the good financial understanding of uh, qualifying buyers and that kind of thing. So my experience of a state agency has been working as a mortgage broker in the industry for... Uh, several years I've learned how the guys did other bits uh, like the valuations uh, less so much lettings it's more of a sales driven uh, sales driven industry so 2001 countrywide were still the old-fashioned and I say that in a good way 
were you feeling the love at that time for Countrywide? Yeah, they were very good at making you feel that you were working for the best company. So it's over 20 years ago now. There's still some people that I used to work with that are still at Countrywide. So some people are still bought into the dream. Some of the older um, managers, senior managers still there, I still believe that they are the best, working for the best. They were very good at sort of driving that message that you know, the, the group, the company ethos was, was very well driven there. Uh, but obviously being sort of young and um, driven to earn more money, I got headhunted because uh, I was pretty good at the mortgages. I was very one of the top performers, always winning the trips, winning the, the awards. And um, yeah, I got headhunted by heart. What year was that? Uh, that must be 2003. Okay. How did it make you feel that you were approached? It's quite nice. It's a bit of an ego boost that someone wants you. And, uh, you know, it was a different, slightly different format for Hart, but uh, <coughs> same thing in essence, really. Didn't Countrywide try and keep you? Yes. Yes. Uh, part of the reason why I decided to leave it's in the mortgage industry, Countrywide work with a very restricted number of lenders. So I didn't feel I was doing my clients the best service. And obviously with the proposition with Hart, it was multiple lenders, multiple insurance companies that we could um, offer and obviously I felt I was doing a better better job for my customers. So how long were you a mortgage arranger at Hartford? I was there for another couple of years um, and it sort of chopped and changed around, went for a couple of independents, went self-employed for a few years in and out. Um, at one point I was just working from home um, being a self-employed mortgage broker and I mean young and partying still I wasn't working as hard as I probably could have done so um, I kind of missed a bit of the structures it was quite lonely working from home on my own in my third bedroom so to speak so it was a bit it was a bit no communication I did miss the thrive and the buzz of, of the estate agency office which is how I ended up going back to heart um, probably about four years after I'd left so it was back to 2007 yeah circa circa then yeah what made you leave heart and go and work independence I think I was more interested in working for myself. So I did a couple of um, self-employed roles in between trying to build my own practice and um, effectively, you know, being my own boss, I did really enjoy picking and choosing the hours I could work and having the, 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 that flexibility was great. I mean, obviously you've set up your own estate agency, which we'll come on to uh, later in this chat. Do you, where do you get that entrepreneurial gene from? Is it from your parents, grandparents? I don't know, to be honest. I think my dad was a fairly entrepreneurial. He was more of a tradesman, so um, he'd had... He run companies. his own business? Yes, he did, yeah. Put signs up for a living, so... Um, okay. Yeah. And what did you learn from your dad growing up? Um, that you've got to put the hours in to, to make, the, make the money, really. So um, he wasn't always present in a lot of the okay. school stuff because he was working quite a lot of the time, so... And what did your mum teach you? Um, manners. <laughs> okay. I think, mum, I feel very privileged that my mum and dad are still together. You know, obviously having that upbringing when we were at school, there was a lot of people had broken families and like myself, my children, I'm not with their mum anymore. So, you know, it was very, very special, I think, to still have my parents together um, as a as a good good family unit. And, uh, and did you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got an older brother. He's a plumber. So, um Okay. Yeah, we're quite close. He's about 18 months older than me. Lovely. Must come in handy. Does he live locally? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but he, he doesn't give me any discounts, so he doesn't do our gas safeties. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you went back to Hart uh, in 2007. Um, but did, did that 
bug of wanting to set up. I mean, were you still doing mortgages? At yeah, I was, I was still a financial advisor, so I was still a mortgage advisor, and they created a self-employed package, which I was one of the first to go on at heart. This so is I was, in 07? Yes. That's what I was say, because they've just set one up in the last year or so, two years. Um, they obviously, you were the trailblazer. Pr pretty much. So I was um, obviously Milton Keynes based, and I went actually back to Bedford. So the guys I got on with at Bedford office, they were kind of like my friends, so it's fitting back into Bedford. But I was um, self-employed on 60% commission, I think it was. So whatever I wrote, if I wrote 10 grand, I earned six. And then I got transferred back when they moved it around, back over to Milton Keynes, uh, when they sort of changed, the, as they always do, reshuffle stuff. So I was in central Milton Keynes, probably taking home £7,000 a month, which was very good money at the time. It's still fairly good money now, um, you know, just being a, a mortgage advisor. And then... Did, the, did your colleagues in the office know you were self-employed? They did, and I would never really turn up to the morning meetings. I'd, I'd hate to manage myself now if I had me working for me back then because I was very much just centred in my own little world of writing mortgages. With a mortgage advisor, you kind of work late, um, you know, seeing customers at five, six, seven o'clock at night if you have to. You know, I was always very keen to, to, to write the business, win the business. So I would never come in for the morning meeting. I would always start sort of half nine, ten because I was seeing customers in the evening. They didn't didn't like that, so they moved me to Northampton. Well, um, hold on a second, you must have been earning them money because of the mortgages you were yes, writing. Yes, yes. Were they not making the connections? Well, I think they were, but the way Hart changed it, so we were in a one office in Central Milton Keynes, and they, were, they decided to open this super office, so they had this new super office model with, um, they were tried to be a bit more local, so they had one central hub with different phone numbers of different areas of Milton Keynes to make it look like I had multiple offices run out of one, and I think the way I was working didn't fit with the new model in the super office. They wanted everyone towing the lines. They uh, replaced me with two employed mortgage brokers and moved me to Northampton on the self-employed basis. And what year was that? Um, 2009. Okay, so hold on, the, the credit crunch had hit at this point. Yes. It was hard work then, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember the time. Yeah, I do remember when the crash, I was, uh, I was arranging mortgages. So before the crash, we were doing 125% mortgages at roughly five, five and a half percent interest rates. Um, and then literally after the crash, you could only get a mortgage with two lenders, which were Halifax and Bank of Scotland, with a 10% deposit, and they were going to charge you um, seven and a half percent as a five-year fixed rate, and that was it. So they, Just take they, it or leave it. Yeah, basically. It's like, well, you know, what, what can you do? So obviously a far cry away from where the rates and things are now, so um, money is still really cheap at the moment. So you moved to Northampton. How did you feel about that? I didn't like it. Um, I didn't really click in the office. I wasn't really making as much money because the values were a lot lower. Um, so obviously the commissions on the mortgages were quite a bit lower, which is what um, made me start up inspired. So it was me and another chap we're going to set it up together. So had you been an estate agent at this, up until this point? No, nope, no, nope, just the mortgage broker. So the person that you, that you joined as um, as a business partner, was he or her? An he was. He was a valuer. Yeah. So he was one of the valuers at heart. Okay. And was he? Did he have equity in the business? Or he pulled out at the last minute. So um, literally the day we were supposed to put some money in, he got his wife to phone me to say it doesn't fit. Left me a voice, but it doesn't feel right. So it's not the right opportunity. So I was left with half the money and um, no business partner. So um, yeah, kind of did it on my own. Well, well, actually, that's a lie. My mum and dad put the other half of the money in and said, "Look, we'll support you." will get involved, so they own half the business, whereas I own the other half. So you started your own estate agency with no valuer and no estate agency experience? Correct. So I had um, one of my friends who was renting one of my houses from me. He had some previous estate agency experience, and 
had just sort of closed down a renovations company and he came on board as my first employee as the self-employed estate agent. So he was growing the estate agent of the business. I was growing, uh, doing the mortgages still. And um, he, he, was, he, used like, he used to like to tell a tall tale and he used to tell everyone it was, it was his business. Uh, but I didn't mind because he actually worked harder for me and then he left and set up on his own probably in 2016, something like that. Okay. So those first couple of years of Inspired in 2010, 2011, what would you have done differently in the first two years? Really looked at advertising spend, um, being less, uh, being more picky, I suppose, less um, unselective with where we're spending our money. Um, again, it's, you know, it is very much a people's business. Uh, the, the mortgage company get, kept the agency going for the first few years, really. So without the mortgage money coming in, we probably wouldn't have um, collapsed. Milton Keynes is mile for mile more estate agents in Milton Keynes than there is in the whole of London. So it's a very competitive market. You've got a lot of corporate head offices there. So Countrywide's office was in uh, Leighton Buzzard. Obviously, Connells are quite prevalent there. So a lot of other towns and other places have full of independence, but it was very much corporate-led in Milton Keynes. And what about your staffing in those uh, first couple of years? So the first few years are quite tough to get staff. Um, obviously, I had the, the guy, Jamie, working for me, doing um, the bulk of the agency, but obviously... Or bulk of the listing. Yeah, the listing. and the selling. So I was just doing the mortgages, he was doing the, the viewings and everything, effectively. I was covering the lettings, so I kind of grew the lettings uh, just off the back of investors we sold to. So you just went on a few armor courses and learned how to be a I bought the South Court pack um, oh. and read that. So yeah, that was kind of our, our good grounding from it. Okay. Um, and yeah, so to, trying to get attract staff was quite difficult. I didn't really want to pay, pay out PAYs. I was looking for people for hung commission. PAYs? PAYE. Oh, right, yeah. Commission hungry sales staff. Uh, so we kind of had self-employed sales staff that were looking to Okay, this is 2012, you know, I mean, it's hard enough in 2022 to get self people to step over to self-employed agency. Yeah. How did you find it? I kind of had a personal connection with a lot of staff that came aboard. So um, I had one of the ladies I worked at Heart, she moved up from London. She had a child, so obviously wanted flexible working, so that worked for her with childcare. Um, very good negotiator. I had another guy um, that we worked at Countrywide together, but at different areas. So he came on board um, to obviously do selling and listing. Um, I got one of my other friends got made redundant out of recruitment. So I trained him up to be an agent. So kind of got through with people that knew me and trusted me and obviously had that initial basis that, you know, it's, they, they know I was good for it. So they, they came on board kind of thing. And we kind of grew to quite a good size. Now, I know we've spoken in the past, but 2012 was probably your lowest point in the state agency, wasn't it? Yeah, there, there was one point where we just had a, such a terrible week. Obviously, if anyone is in residential sales, know that um, you know sales can fall through at any time. And it was literally like 90% of the pipeline fell through in one day, whereas you know buyers pulled out, down our value surveys, vendors decided not to move. So, you know, had a, a one point where we kind of, we're worrying where we're going to get the money to pay everything at the end of the month because we were expecting, you know, a lot of exchange predictions to come through and they were just collapsing left, right and centre. How did you cope with that? Apart from credit cards? And <laughs> yeah, well, as a business owner, you just kind of find a way, really. I think we focused a bit on doing some tenant fines just to get some 
quick cash come in to cover bits, um, change the focus of what we were doing, resold a couple of the units, so they were back in the pipeline. Uh, but obviously there's a few more months for it to come through. And again, the, the mortgage company was always prevalent to be able to put money in to cover the costs. What did you learn from that time? Just that you need to have a diverse income stream, really. So you know, if we, if we were just focusing on residential sales, it would have been a lot harder. Um, obviously, I was running the lettings portfolio, so I got it to around about 50 when I started, decided to employ someone to exclusively focus on lettings because it was too much for me doing the mortgages and the lettings and running the business. Um, and I did stop doing the mortgages for a while because, again, trying to focus on um, family and the business. So when I had the children, I've got two boys, uh, 2013, 2014, it was um, crucial to spend the time with them rather than seeing clients every evening. It was something that we decided to sub that work out and focus on the general day-to-day -day agency. 2014, you opened up your second office. Correct. Now they say, and I think a year later, you opened up your third one in Rushton. Yes, yeah. They always say that the second office is the tricky one. Yes, uh, we didn't keep the second office in Milton Keynes very long because it was supposed to be a good idea um, to maximise on. We were getting quite a lot of repossessions. We were on a panel for a couple of repossession agents. So if a different postcode, you've got different areas, different repossessions. And we were making good money on, on the repossession sales, helping buy the lettings books. They, they were generally investors that were buying them. And then you pick the lettings business up on the back of it. So we had a central Milton Keynes office and we had a Bletchley office. And then when we went to open the Bletchley office, the guy, Jamie, that started working for me, decided that um, he wanted to branch out on his own. So he left and set up his own business and um, the lease ended in the CMK office. So we just relocated everything to Bletchley, which is why having two overheads in one town didn't seem to be fruitful. But I bought a building in Rushton where I got another guy I worked with at Hart was working for me over there. And um, I've got the two successful what, operations um, at the moment. What would you... What would you do differently by opening up that second office? I mean, was the Rushton office, the person that you set up there, does he have equity in the business? No. Because they often say, unless you have a mini-me or someone with equity opening up a second office, it's really, really tough, and yeah. five out of six will, will close. What did you do differently in Rushton? Because it's still going now. It is it? still going now. I, I have changed the entity from when we initially started, so I've got two guys over there that do now have equity. So um, it was... You know, in hindsight, probably wouldn't have expanded so much so quickly. Um, but, you know, when you're keen, young and hungry, you're thinking world domination. And, uh, you know, you, there's no failure. It's a first attempt in learning. So, you know, you learn from these things. So do you think, do you think the adage of put someone with equity or skin in the game or a mini-me in the second office is... Can you, can you think of any other advice you'd give? Uh, no, I think that's crucial. I think having someone that... Um, lives and breathes it as well as you do is crucial to having a second operation now by which this time you'd started to get into brightonet i think you built your first one at the uh, around the turn of the millennium um how you how you being an investor by to let landlord help you run your agency it gave me an insight on the lettings business because when i was um buying my first few buy to lets i self-managed so i was a self-managing landlord rather than using an agent partly because um, the agent's valuations were lower than what I thought I could achieve. And I was always getting higher rent than what the lettings agents at the time were telling me. So, you know, I, I knew there was a bit of scope there for me to maximise my earning potential on them. And being in the industry, so to speak, I found it quite easy to do the, the management side of things. I mean, quite often you see many landlords who have got a little bit of a portfolio who decide they want to become letting agents. 
but then actually make a hash of it. How did you not fall into that trap? I think um, with my mortgage background, obviously being um, compliant, fully compliant, fully transparent with everything doing mortgages, I wasn't going to go into anything without knowing the ins and outs of how it would work. Are you a bit of a detail perfectionist? No. I'm more of an ideas generalisation, but when I'm doing things for other people. So as a, as a landlord, um, I knew how I wanted my property to be managed, which is the ethos yeah. of how we set the lessons Do you not like up. to get down dirty in the minutiae? Are you more of a big picture person? Yeah, I do, I do a bit of both. I would never rule anything out, but I'm less in the detail. I'm more of the big concept. Let's get it done, and then I'll let someone else worry about all the detail. Okay. Because if you, you, you've got, you know, uh, you've got Danielle, who is your basically your right-hand lady, isn't she? Yeah, she pretty much runs the whole lettings operation for me. How do you, you know, how do you allow, you know, if you like big picture, people who are tend to be big picture people fear being taken advantage of by others and love to be in control. How do you let go, let go of that? How do you let go of that fear? I don't really have a lot of fear of things, which is why I'm quite happy to try things and give it a go you know i've pioneered quite a few things in my life well it's having a go but it's le it's letting go of control yeah i think again the people i work with i've implicitly trust so obviously danielle's been with me a long time and i worked with her previously she's a star, isn't she? yeah she's really really good um you know i kind of don't really have to get too involved and sometimes when there's a problem she comes up and we sort of work through it together and and, and get through stuff so how how do how do you go about finding a danielle because there's plenty of people out there that would, would absolutely, you know, you know, you're a big agent in terms of known in the industry. Well, hopefully you'll be better known by now. But <laughs> you know, John Paul has has Adele. You know, you you need that right hand person. What? How do you find those that person? Well, I mean, when you met Danielle. Yes. I mean, I, I've known her for ooh, eight nine years. Mm -hmm. you, you can tell she's evolved. Yes. Was she, was she, did she have that capability when you saw her? When I first met Danielle, we were both working at Hart. So we obviously worked together. What job was she doing? She was Lettings, um, not the manager. She was, okay. I think, a negotiator, yeah. And then she went over to um, another competitor. I tried to get her. She didn't want to join me, first of all. And then um, another year later, we, we kind of cracked it. And then obviously she's, she's never looked back. So you know, I kind of let her run it as her thing. Um, so effectively, she's got full control, full autonomy to to grow the letting business, and you know we are um, in a fairly good position now from where we started in almost twelve years ago. You did your first acquisition in twenty twenty. Yes, quite late in the game. What made you want to do an acquisition? Just looking at ways to grow the lettings portfolio. So when you're analysing all your businesses, you do rather than working on the business than being in the business. You kind of look at. You know, where the value is, what do we do, how do we focus, which is why I do a lot of developments, I earn good money on the developments, and um, letting... you kick? Yeah, I kind of, yeah, it does give me a kick turning a horrible property into something nice, um, and obviously making it a nice home for someone to, to rent is what I do get a, a passion for. But I do enjoy the agency as well, I do enjoy the, the buzz of the office, do enjoy just tying up a sale, or, or greening a let, or getting an instruction come on, so I still dip my toe in the water and kind of cover when people are off. But um, yeah, my main focus is development and, and letting. So growing the lettings portfolio, we kind of stagnated around about the, the 200 mark. Um, and I went on Agent Rainmaker with Val Sally Dawson and that kind of inspired me to look at other ways of doing stuff. Um, 
she, her and Kate are very good, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, no, we, we really enjoyed that. And um, sometimes it gives you just a different outlook, a different mm -hmm. perspective. So Daniel and I went on that. Um, I think she went on the one with Declan as well. So, uh, yeah, we've, we, we kind of sort of keep our toe in the water with those guys a little bit just to keep on top of stuff. And then acquisitions, nothing, nothing I really considered or thought about doing, first of all. Um, but then obviously putting the feelers out for people who have the small portfolio. We got the first one over the line in. 2020, second in 2021, and two How do you, were you just sending letters out? It's picking up the phone. It's just pick up the easy? phone. Yeah, it's people I know, and you know, send texts, sending. Uh, I sent my well, MK Property. I did that acquisition. It took me two years to get it over the line, um, and I sent the text on the Sally Dawson course. So it was like, you know, what can you do? Who can you think of? I was like, oh, I'll just text the owner. He's like, yeah, we'll talk. So we sat, have what, a coffee. Is it as simple as? If you ever consider selling, yep. Now it's interesting. You 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 knew these people. The amount of I used to be uh, head of uh, recruitment at Belvoir, and part of my remit, or although I never got involved because uh, Emma was fantastic, was um, acquisitions. And the amount of times I saw people only sell to a particular franchisee because they've built a relationship with that person because the landlords were kind of their babies. They wanted yeah. to make sure that someone else was going to look after their babies. Do you think that's important that you've got that relationship with them? Absolutely. I, th I think, um, you know, anyone that has set their own business up, it is like your child. <laughs> it's your work baby. You know, you've put your blood, sweat and tears in that. So obviously some of the acquisitions we do, we're buying shares in the business and obviously keeping the business going. Um, and some has been an asset purchase. So this, when you are selling, people want that um, assurance that you're not just going to plunder the business and you know put all the fees up and hike it's obviously being a small independent other small independents appreciate that and i'd like to think i've got a fairly good reputation that people know they can trust me so how many acquisitions have you done now then uh still on two i've got two in the pipeline lovely and in hindsight what would you have done differently done it earlier and with regard to the actual process itself um getting the right solicitor is key um so i think that's that's crucial um agreeing as much as you can with the owner before getting it into heads of terms you know try and iron out all the all the bits because a lot of professional fees can get charged you know the people that just try and um they've got your best interest at heart but, you know if you're trying to get the professional advisors to do stuff they can spend a lot of time so arguing we, over small points where you can get it easily resolved in essence agree the guts of it before yes does get involved absolutely good stuff now um you rebranded your estate agency from Inspire to MK, didn't you? Or partly rebranded? Well, I purchased MK Property and I've got them running as two different entities. So I've got Inspired still running, I've got MK Property. So we're moving all the lettings bulk into MK Property. Being in the Milton Keynes, um, I really like the brand MK Property, which is one of the reasons I was really was that keen. One of the acquisitions that was the acquisition I did last year, yeah. So MK Property is, um, is running. So I'm toying with the idea whether to set up another sales team in there or just keep keep them separate, one for sales, one for lettings. Decisions, decisions. Yeah. Um, but they're quite interesting in the, in the last 12 months, you took on the Progressive Property Network, which is kind of like a club for letting uh, landlords, isn't it? Yeah, it's Progressive are one of the biggest training providers. I think they are the biggest training provider of property courses in the UK. So they obviously help people that haven't a clue about buy to let um, or flips or HMOs, whatever their the chosen strategy is to, to make money in property. And obviously we are looking at ways to market ourselves and we felt that linking up with them and doing um, our monthly property meets would be a good idea to 
get landlords, get our name out there and obviously help grow, grow the business in all aspects. And is it working? Yeah, we took the franchise just before COVID and lockdown, so it was on, on ice for a year. Um, we started in October last year and we are getting on average uh, 40 to 50 people through the door. Okay. So it's, um, and like most things, you've got, to, you've got to tickle them, you've got to build the relationship, Absolutely. you've got to nurture them. They're not going to come in with a set key saying... No, you're right, but obviously we're quite fortunate. We do have a database. We've now got another database with MK Properties. We've got a big list of landlords, investment buyers that are registering that we can try and help along the way um, and getting the message out there with, with the guys. And, you know, it's... Um, I, I quite enjoy it. I quite enjoy the property development side and the helping people side. So I think, you know, if there's anything we can do to try and help people. Well, if you think about it, the PPN is is helping different aspects of the business. It could potentially bring your mortgage business in. Yep. It could also bring you landlords with properties to let. Yep. Potentially even sell. Well, and company let. So tenant fee ban was a massive change in the industry. You can still charge two company let. So uh, we have a lot of service accommodation type businesses in Milton Keynes, which you know, we, we understand, which most letting agents don't. Uh, so obviously we take on customers um, as long as they're compliant with the, the service accommodation stock. So, you know, we can still maximise our earnings from that potential. So what's the future for Neil Briggs and his property empire? We are uh, midway through a merger um, with another firm, um, a good, very good friend of mine, set up his own agency a couple of years after me. So we're in the throes of uh, merging our businesses together. So um, we can have a, a bit more of a fluid that's working be, that's relationship. That's quite brave going back into partnership with someone. Mm, yeah. I d I d my mum and dad are obviously getting a bit long in the tooth. So um, they've been silent partners for years. And I think... Um, when you know, when you've known someone for a long time, and they've always done what they said they're going to do, which is vice versa, my side to his, then it's more of an easier um, yes. mix in the equation. You know, I'm growing the mortgage services business, we're growing the lettings business, looking at other acquisitions together, and um, trying to merge the two businesses together, which will bring cost savings as long as, um, as well as obviously a bit of Are you still keeping coverage. separate brands? Yes. Clever. Yeah, that's a wise thing to do. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. What else is the future? Uh, I'm still heavily involved in property, so um, doing more networking events. We're doing more development stuff, so trying to help people through that process. Um, so yeah, I'm just sort of uh, building my own little empire, as long as the, along with the estate agency too. Looking back at everything that's gone since, final question: Would you change anything? I don't think I would. I think I've got here today with the lessons I've learned um, along the way. With some would say mistakes, but you know, with with the learnings that I've I've made over the time. So, you know, not that you can change anything. If I would have done something differently, I'd have bought more property in two thousand one. And I think we all would have done. But you know, we haven't got that crystal ball, and I didn't know at the time I had that equity I could have released to buy property. It wasn't until I started becoming a mortgage advisor that I realised, hold on a minute, I'm sitting on a lot of cash in my house. I can pull out money and buy more properties. So, you know, the, I like to educate people to know that they can invest in their future and they can uh, become financially free through property. Thank you for your time today, Neil. Thank you, Chris.